we prayed a couple times already, but if y'all don't mind, I can pray one more time before we dive into the word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day that you give us, Lord. Lord, what greater opportunity to start the new year than as a gathered body of believers in your house, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we look at this text, Lord, that you would empty our hearts, Lord, that you would uh, open our minds, that your word would just work in us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give me, Lord, just clarity of, of speech, Lord, for you empty me of self, that I would be filled with your spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word would not return void, Lord. I pray that ultimately that Christ would be glorified and exalted. Lord, I love you and thank you for all you do. In Christ's name, amen. Alright, so we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4. You know, as, as we begin the new year of 2023, I'm sure that, like many of you in here, I started this to reflect on this past year of 2022. And I remember going into 2022 thinking about how and praying that it was going to be, you know, such a, a great year. You know, we were finally coming out of COVID. Have to wear masks no more, right? Everything was opening back up. Uh, my son was getting older, so I was looking forward to being able to play with him. And you know, I was really excited about 2022. And then as we started going through 2022, life started to happen. You know, in 2022, towards the beginning of the year, I lost my grandpa, and this was big for me because not only was I really close with my grandpa, but this was the first loss in my life. As, as, a, as an older person that truly understood death and my loss of so I loved my grandma when I was younger, but it didn't really affect me in the same way that it did losing my grandpa. And 2022, I was excited because I was looking forward to finishing my college degree. I had taken um, I had taken a semester off when Nehemiah was born just because of work and having a baby and trying to do school all at the same time. Uh, would not have went too well. And so I had two classes left, y'all. I had a math class and a history class left to finish my bachelor's degree. And I remember calling my school and the lady telling me that in the semester that I took off, they got rid of my degree program. And so now my two classes that I had to finish my degree program turned into almost a whole entire semester of work that I had left. And 2022, my wife and I transitioned out of a ministry that we have been a part of for the last four years, a ministry that I honestly thought that we would be at until God sent us out, a uh, ministry that really shaped me into the man I am today that you know, I learned a lot in, I grew a lot in, but God transitioned it out of that, uh, transitioned us out of that, and then obviously, you know, we felt like God let us here during that. And then in leading us here, three days before, so obviously when we felt like God would leave us here, we put our house on the market. And those of you that are here on Wednesday, you guys know my whole housing debacle that we dealt with this past year. And three days after we left Florida, our house was set to close and we heard nothing. And we called my realtor and he called the buyer and he said, yep, they're pretty much not gonna be able to close. So we had left by faith, Jacksonville, Florida, moved here with a house that we thought was set to, to sell. And still five months later now, we've been through four different buyers. You know, thankfully we're on a buyer right now that we're praying that 
will finally go through. But needless to say, all the hopes that we had for 2022 didn't really pan out the way that we thought it would. 2022 was a challenging year for us. And I'm sure that I'm not alone here. I'm sure that for many of us in here, you probably felt the same way I did, or maybe you feel the same way I do at this point in time. As you look back over your 2022, there were times when you were in desperate situations, times when it felt like you were at the end of your rope, per se. You know, what do we do when we face these problems? What do we do when we're facing problems with our children that we can't solve? What do we do when our marriage is on the rocks? and unrelenting waves seem to keep on crashing in on it? What do we do when there's problems at work and there seems there's no way out? What do you do when you have followed a loved one's body to the grave and you've got to escape the loneliness, the grief, the pain? What do you do when you're walking through a spiritual wasteland and there seems to be no way out? Well, as we look at 2 Kings chapter 4 this morning, and as we go into this new year, I want to declare to you that when times get desperate and life seems hopeless, God can take what little we have and turn it into a lot. Second Kings chapter 4, I'm just going to start with the first two verses. The Bible says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. You know, while I know it's easy to feel like we're the only ones that are going through the hard times in life, that nobody has it quite as bad as we do, I want you to know that you're not alone, right? And even as we look back through the pages of scriptures, one of the beauties of scripture is that we can see these stories and these testimonies of, of, of people in times past, God's people in times past that, that face desperate situations, that face struggles, that face pain, that, that face loss. And as we evaluate their lives, we can see how God showed up in the midst of their desperation. And the good thing for us is that the same God they had is the same God that we still have today. As we come to our text, we see a widow in a desperate situation. In verse 1, this widow comes to the prophet Elisha, and she tells the prophet Elisha, my, 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 my husband has passed. The text tells that her husband was, was a son of the prophet. What that means is that her husband would have been studying under the prophet Elisha in the northern kingdom. He was a, he was a man of God. He was a man that in the wicked northern kingdom of Israel was actually trying to do the right thing, was actually following God. So this would have been a man that Elisha would have known. And so she goes, she says, Elisha, you know that my husband has died, but not only has my husband died, but now that my husband, but now that he's dead, my husband was the main breadwinner. He's the one that was caring for our family. And my sons can't do anything. I can't do anything. And because of that, creditors are coming to take my sons into slavery. In the in the um, book of Leviticus, we see that during this day, these days, Jewish law actually allowed for a debt to be paid by, by, by the children of whoever the debtor was. They would be literally taken into slavery to work 
that dead off. So you have this woman, desperate, despondent. She's not only grieving the loss of her husband, but she has these two little boys. She's like, there's no way I can lose them too. She runs to Elisha. Elisha, help me. You know, the thing with this woman is that she does not obsess over her circumstances, but rather runs to the man of God. Rather, she runs to the man who is going to give her the word of God to help her in her situation. She recognized that while she can't do it, she knows the one who can. You know, for many of us in desperation, oftentimes we do the opposite. I've been guilty of it myself. And rather than letting our hard times fuel our faith, we turn to faithlessness when things get hard. You know, well, God, you allowed this to happen anyway, so, you know, why would you change anything about it now? Or, you know, every time I try to serve God, I just get hurt, so there's no point in doing it anymore. Rather than making God our first response, oftentimes we make God our last resort. So often when we're faced with these desperate situations, we're running over here to our friends, we're running over here to our co-workers, we're running over here to our family members saying, what should I do? Help me. I don't know what's going on. And then when we realize our friends and our co-workers and those around us don't have the answers to our problems, then we say, well, I guess I'll ask God to help me. In verse 2, we see as she's seeking this answer from Elisha, as she's, as she's saying, as she's acknowledging she can't do that, she's, she's seeking God first in the midst of her desperation. We see Elisha turn to her and ask her, well, what do you have in the house? You're telling me that you have nothing to pay this debt with. You're telling me that you're in a bad situation. But what do you have? When we get into desperate situations, rather than turning and running to everyone else for help, we first got to remember that oftentimes, more than not, we probably already have what we need. You see, this woman had already came to Elisha in faith, and Elisha acknowledged this. Remember, this is the northern kingdom of Israel, but the Bible tells us that every single king in the northern kingdom was wicked and did not follow after God. So for her to be a, a, a citizen of the northern kingdom and to seek God, Elisha already sees her, the faith of this woman. So now he points to her and says, you're telling me you have nothing. I see that you have faith. So, so with that faith, what do you have that God can take and multiply? He's telling her, rather than crying about what you don't have, learn how to put what you already have into God's hands. Listen, I'm not saying that we should never ask for help from anyone else. What I'm saying is that so often we look to others for what God has already provided or what God is able to provide. And then we come to verse 3. Verse 3 says, uh, then, verse 3 says, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind your sons. Then pour into it all those vessels and set aside the poor ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. So now in our text, we see that after reminding her that she already has all that she needs. Elisha commands her to go and collect empty vessels. And not just a few, but as many empty vessels 
as she can find. And we see in our text that the widow exhibits her faith even more by following this crazy command. She had faith that, that, that even though this command was crazy, that God would be able to take it and would be able to bring a miracle through it. Just imagine the thoughts that are running through her head, right? Uh, I just told you all that I have is a small jar of oil. I have a whole entire house full of empty vessels. I have a whole entire kitchen full of empty vessels. What in the world do I need to go and get more empty vessels for? Right? Or just think about what you think about what her neighbors are going to say. Her neighbors most likely know her situation. She's like, you want me to go and embarrass myself and embarrass my sons and knock on the neighbor's door and say, do you have any empty vessels? But she had faith that in seeking God first and then trusting the words of God, that God would come through even though it made no sense. At the time. And then we see that her faith was tested even more by the amount of vessels she brought. She could have went to her sons and gathered them and said, you know, sons, I really thought Elisha was going to have the answers. I'm sorry, we've got to figure something out because this man is clearly off his rocker. You know, but just go to the neighbor across the street and maybe the one next door and just get a, a couple vessels so that we can just get it over with and we don't waste too much time. We see that her blessing was dependent upon the amount of faith she had in God's move. Listen, in our text, our text tells us that if she would have brought one vessel, God would have filled one vessel. If she would have brought ten vessels, God would have filled ten vessels. If she would have brought one thousand vessels, God would have filled all one thousand vessels. All it take, all it took was a little faith. Right? I mean, Jesus tells us that with a little faith, a must, with, with, with a little faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Yeah. See, we don't need more faith. So often, we, you know, we, have, we need more faith. A little faith is all it takes. We just need to activate the faith that we already have. We just need to act on the faith that we already have. We have faith. We don't need more faith. We just need to use the faith that we have and truly trust in the promises of God and His provision for our lives. God's capacity is only restricted by our limitations. God can only do what we allow him to do in our lives. When we look at Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is speaking of his hometown. And he says of his hometown, he says, he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. In his hometown, he did not do miracles because of their lack of faith. And just thinking about that verse, I just I just wonder in my own life, how many blessings, how many miracles, how many acts of God have I missed out on because I didn't activate the faith that I had? How many, how, how, how many, how many um, moments of God showing up in the midst of my trial have I missed out on because I didn't seek him first? Because I didn't truly have faith that he was able to meet every last one of my needs. You see, this widow had no idea why Elisha was telling her to go and get empty vessels. It made no sense. But what she did know was that it was God's command for her. So she did it anyways. As we see the widow's faith, we're reminded of the, the, the centrality. I've already talked a little bit about it, but as we see this, this, this story of the widow, we're reminded of the centrality of just how of this simple faith. 
in the Christian life. You know, we say we have faith, we talk about the Christian faith, you know, we're people of faith, yet we don't practice our faith. We don't live out our faith. You know, we say that we want God to meet us in our desperate times, yet we don't have faith that he's going to meet us in our desperate times. In Hebrews 11, the Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I mean, faith is the crux of our salvation. It is through faith in the finished work of Christ that we can be saved and reconciled into a relationship with God. As we look at our text, just picture this widow's son as the widow comes to him and says, go and give me empty vessels. Just picture them as they're running in and out of the door, as they're bringing vessel after vessel, as they're knocking on their neighbor's door, neighbor, 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 can I please have a vessel and make sure it's empty? Just picture them running in, running out. I'm sure there were probably tall vessels, probably small vessels, round, square, vessels of every single size. They didn't care. They just wanted to obey the word of the Lord. And then picture them as now they're in the house and they close the door behind them and the whole house is filled with vessels. Imagine the nerves and the anxiousness as they look at mama and they're wondering what's going to happen when mama takes that little jar of oil and she tips that little jar of oil and a drip comes out and a drip comes out and then a stream of oil begins to come up and imagine the excitement and the exuberance and the joy as, as vessel after vessel begins to fill up with the little bit that they had. And then they come to the last vessel. All the vessels in the house are full. And when that last vessel gets to the brim, the stream stops. Listen, this, this family learned that day the same thing that we can all learn amid our desperation. That by faith, that through his work, God can take nothing and turn it into something. God can take a little and turn it into a lot. You know, they say that little is much when God is in it. And if you don't believe me, I want you to, to, to just follow me to the pages of the New Testament. When we see the little boy standing there with Jesus, and the little boy hands Jesus five loaves of bread and two fish, and Jesus takes that five loaves and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people with it. Or how about the disciples as they sat on the Sea of Galilee, and they had Jesus seven loaves and a few small fish, and once again, Jesus does a miracle multiplication, and he feeds 4,000 people. If you still don't believe that God can take nothing and turn it into something, to, how about we go to creation where he created light out of darkness, where he spoke the universe into existence? See, while this woman had the words of God, Give it to her through the prophet Elisha. We have the words of God accessible to us through his written word. At any time, you know, that, that, that's the, the advantage we have in the New Testament. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go to a pastor. We don't have to go to a prophet. We don't have to try to seek divine revelation from God to hear from God. All we've got to do to hear from God is open up our Bible. You know, I've heard it said, if you want to hear God speak, you know, everybody wants to hear God speak in their lives. Well, you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. You want to hear him speak audibly? Read your Bible out loud. Second Timothy tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. As we look at Psalms 119, it paints a beautiful picture of scripture. A couple of verses from it say, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against 
to. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth, that your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, when this woman was met with a desperate situation, when this woman seemed to be at the end of her rope, when this woman realized there was nothing that she could do to save herself, she saw God first, and she believed his word. And now as we look at this text, I believe that I would be amiss if we didn't examine the means by which God's provision came. In the text, we see that the reason for God's blessing, for his miracle, was because of the woman's faith. But we also see that the means of God's working was through empty vessels. I believe that God wanted her to gather empty vessels so that then, when she brought those vessels back, she couldn't say, it was because of my neighbor. She couldn't say it was because of my sons. She couldn't say it was because of all the hard work I did. No, she had no choice but to say it was because of the goodness of God that my needs were met. God's making it clear to her by using empty, by using empty vessels that he is in control. And for us today, he's still in control. And I believe that the lesson for us is that God works through empty vessels. I remember when I was a kid, there was a popular bumper sticker. I think it was on t-shirts too. And it said, Jesus is my co-pilot. And while that sounds, you know, fighting, I'm fine, mighty fine, that's the problem with many Christians today. Is that we think that God needs our help. We think that God needs our wisdom. We think God needs us to, to sit next to him to navigate through our life. Jesus doesn't want to be your co-pilot. Jesus wants to be your pilot. As a matter of fact, we don't have no business in the cockpit. We might as well just sit in the back and go along for the ride. Listen, God doesn't want to be your business partner. He wants to run the business. He doesn't want to be your life coach. He wants to be your life source. As we look at scripture, Paul tells us that our bodies are vessels made of clay. Now think about it. If we take this understanding of our bodies being vessels made of clay, and we put it into the narrative of this text, how much more does this text come alive for us? For the Christian, we have the Spirit of God Himself dwelling within our bodies. Listen, you want spiritual renewal? You want God to show up in the desperation of your life? You want comfort in the midst of trials? Empty yourself of everything of this world. Empty yourself of every selfish desire, every selfish ambition, and be filled with the Spirit. The hard part about emptying ourselves of our desires and ambitions is that sometimes our desires and ambitions on the surface can appear good. You know, I've heard it said that a good thing can become a bad thing if it's not a God thing. You know, when it comes to desires and dreams and ambitions, I'm sure we all, I mean, me personally, we're supposed to be starting a youth group here soon. I have ambitions, I have dreams about what the youth group will 
look like. I have things, I have ambitions about reaching people, about filling the pews. And while these are a good thing, if I'm not coming to God humbly and emptying myself and saying, God, what are your plans for this church? What are your plans for this youth group? What are your plans for us, God? If I'm not doing that and I'm just going off of what I want, it becomes a bad thing. It becomes of no value. But recognize that when we empty ourselves, we need to be filled back up. Vessels are made to be to contain something. They're not meant to be empty. We should strive to become filled with the Spirit of God and His Word. As we enter into 2023, I, I think a good decision for all of us, I know a decision for me that I've made, is that as I go through 2023, I want to have a life that is Spirit-led and Word-fed. Listen, Spirit-filled vessels ask, what can I do for my church, rather than what can my church do for me? Spirit-filled vessels say, how can I bless my spouse? How can I be a help to my spouse, rather than what is my spouse doing for me? Listen, spirit-filled vessels serve without any strings attached. Spirit-filled vessels seek unity with others they may disagree with under the banner of Christ. In order for blessing to overflow, in order for God's power to take place, there cannot be anything else preoccupying our hearts. We've got to come in humbly. We've got to come in home empty. You know, in Scripture, it tells us to be not drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. When you're drunk with wine, your, your, your thoughts are overtaken, your, your mind's overtaken, you don't even know what's going on. You, you become a different person. What this text is telling us is that when the Spirit fills your body, your thoughts are overtaken, you take on the mind of Christ, you live a life that exalts, that glorifies, that brings honor to God. Be filled with the Spirit. But the vessels had to be empty because if this woman would have took this pure oil that God had provided for her and mixed it with any other substance, it would have been of little to no value. It's the same with us. We've got to come to God empty of desires and dreams and ambitions because as soon as we start to mix our desires, our dreams, our ambitions with what we think God has for us, it becomes of little value. And then lastly, really quick, we see that when the vessels ran out, the oil ceased. In verse 6 it says, Now came to pass when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. He said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. I believe as we examine this verse that I see two Truths that I believe we can we can glean that we can get out of this verse. The first is an individual reminder for each and every one of us. The reminder that not only are we to be filled with the Spirit and empty of self, but that it should be a daily reoccurrence. There should be a daily renewing. There should be a daily feeling. There should be a daily emptying of self. I make it a practice every single morning. Lord, empty me of self, Lord. If there's anything in my life that, that, that I want but you don't want, Lord, make it, show it to me, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. I want to do what you have for me. We need to be presenting empty vessels day by day by day by day by day. Over and over and over. It's a daily emptying of self. I mean, even when we look at Jesus, Jesus told his disciples, deny themselves and take up their crosses daily. 
You know, when you're carrying your cross, you got to put other things down. When you're carrying the cross of Christ, you've got to put some preferences down, some ideas, some dreams, some things that may not align with what exactly he has for your life. Uh, you know, I feel often we treat the, the Christian life like our vehicle. You know, our vehicle we hope to fill up at the beginning of the week and that we can just run on that fuel and not to fill up again until the end of the week. And we do that so often with church. You know, whether it's going to a church service or whether it's, you know, I'm going to read my Bible today and I'm going to, I'm going to empty myself today. Well, we soon realize that when we don't refill each and every day, that supply runs out sooner than we think it will. You soon realize that your prayers from yesterday don't fuel your faith today. You know, I'm sure some of us, including myself, I've been in, in spiritual dry seasons. I've been in seasons where it seemed like, 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 like I had a drought, there was no blessing, there was no growth in my life. And I feel like one of the first things we need to do is ask ourselves, am I presenting my body an empty vessel of God each and every day? When it comes to my job, when it comes to my family, my husband, my kids, when it comes to my finances, whatever it may be, are we saying, God, you're in control? Are we seeking God first? Are we trusting him at his word? Are we presenting ourselves empty over and over and over? Because the passage tells us that when we fail to present an empty vessel, the oil ceases. And then the second challenge I see is a corporate challenge for the church as a whole. You know, the mom looked at her son and she said, bring me another vessel. And there wasn't another vessel to be brought to be filled. As a church, if we fail to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have failed in our calling. I failed in my calling. If we are not reaching people, we might as well put a lock on our doors, put a for sale sign outside, and let somebody come in that's actually going to reach people. Let a church come in that's actually going to be empty of self, that's going to be about the mission. I can imagine that as the widow's sons were coming in with their vessels that they probably ran out of room at one point. And I can imagine that when they started to run out of room, that rather than just saying, no, we can't fit nothing else, they probably looked around and said, is there something we can rearrange? Looked at each other and said, you know, that dresser over there, I really like that dresser. But if that dresser's going to allow the more empty vessels to be brought in, get rid of it. Now, I can imagine you saying, that couch has been here since we bought this house. But man, I can fit two more vessels right there. Get rid of it. I can imagine they saw a chair saying, you know, Grandma gave us that chair. I can imagine they were arguing with each other. No, there's no way we can get rid of that chair. Grandma gave us that chair. I can imagine the other boy looking and saying, listen, Grandma gave us that chair, but Grandma would be more happy with us bringing empty vessels to care for our family than she would for us to hang on to the chair that she gave us. Do you feel that the oil has ceased in your life personally? 
Once again, go to him first. Trust his word. Present yourself an empty vessel. And in church, do we feel like the oil has ceased in our church? Are we presenting ourselves empty vessels, one? And then two, what are we doing to bring empty vessels into this church? Not only that, but are we going out and getting empty vessels? It shouldn't just happen here. We should be, we should be doing it everywhere we go. You know, the good news, though, is as we look at verse 7, we see that after the vessels were full, that Elisha told her, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live in the rest. The good thing is that there's still hope. You know, even in the darkest of times and seasons, God is still God. Listen, we serve the God who can take a little and turn it into a lot. We serve the God who can take a jar of oil and multiply it into many empty vessels. The God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask for things according to the power that works in us. Much like this woman, we can run into the abundantly surprising supply of God. And when we do, we'll discover that it's not our paycheck, it's not our hard work, it's not our methods, it's not nothing that we did. It's not our expertise, but it's because we have a God who can do a lot with a little. Listen, we've all either been through desperate times, we're going through desperate times, or we will go through desperate times. So as we go through this week, as we, as we move through 2023, let's remember the, the, the text, the story of this widow in the midst of her trouble. Let's seek God first. Let's hold on to his promises. Let's hold on to promises like Philippians 4, 19, where we see that God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What the promise of Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Or all the promises that litter every single page of the word of God. Listen, that alone doesn't mean that every problem that we face will be resolved or fixed the way we want it to be. That's been a huge lesson for me. Instead, coming here and feeling like we prayed and we were seeking God and God opened doors, God, God opened doors. It's like, God, I'm giving it all to you. Why is my house not sold yet? Right? It's like, it makes no sense, God. But the thing is, his ways are not my ways. And he knows more than I know. So what I've got to decide to do is that even though it doesn't make sense up here, I've got to continue to present myself an empty vessel day by day, having full trust and assurance that his plan is better than mine. And I was doing this study in this text, I came upon a story of Hudson Taylor, who was a um, missionary to China during the 1800s. There's a story of Hudson Taylor once writing to his wife during an especially trying time um, in the, the China Inland Missions, which he ran. It was a point in time where his mission agency was in desperation, where it seemed like they had not much left. They were running low. And Hudson Taylor wrote to his wife, and he said, We have 25 cents and all the promises of God. 
Listen, is that enough for you? Hudson Taylor knew that as long as God's hand was on his work, that he had all that he needed. Every head bowed, eyes closed. Dear Lord, I once again thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. I'm just honored and humbled, Lord, to be able to present your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your word would not fall upon deaf ears, but that we would be challenged, that we would be excited, Lord, that, that, that we would realize that, Lord, even though we may have a little, Lord, that even though time seems desperate, that you're the God that...